You're listening to Martin Wolf's podcast from the Financial Times. In times of panic, grown-ups keep their nerve. In a financial crisis, central banks must be the grown-ups. This week, however, the board of the US Federal Reserve seemed to panic by implementing an extraordinary 0.75 percentage point cut in its interest rates prior to its next scheduled meeting. The move was apparently in response to a falling, though still more than fully valued, stock market. So should the Bank of England follow suit? The answer is no. Another quarter of a percentage point cut now makes good sense. Dramatic slashing of interest rates does not. Similarities between the UK and US do exist. These countries have shared huge upward moves in house prices, easy access to credit, large current account deficits, with the UK's recently even bigger than that of the US in relation to gross domestic product, upward pressure on inflation, banking sectors strongly affected by the credit squeeze, and in recent days, stock market volatility. Yet there are also significant differences. The Fed is the closest thing we have to a global central bank. It is also the beneficiary of the trust the world reposes in the US. For these reasons, it can, and perhaps should, take greater risks. Investors have to hold dollars. They do not have to hold pounds. Furthermore, the domestic political pressures on the Fed are stronger. The US is the epicenter of the current economic storm. It is there that the subprime crisis began. It is there, too, that house prices have already fallen significantly. Americans also expect their monetary and fiscal authorities to try to eliminate even the risk of significant slowdowns. For this very reason, the Fed has a mandate to seek maximum employment, while the bank's primary objective is its explicit inflation target. Moreover, the UK economy still looks quite strong. GDP grew by 3.1% in 2007 and by 0.6% even in the final quarter of the year. Unemployment rates have actually fallen since the middle of 2006 from 5.6% to 5.3% of the labour force. Furthermore, the growth of broad money, M4, remains strong despite the credit squeeze at over 12% in the year to December 2007. The extraordinary divergences seen as recently as last December between three-month interbank lending rates and the bank's intervention rates have also disappeared. Finally, any given decline in the pound is likely to impart a stronger stimulus to the UK's relatively open economy and generate more upward pressure on inflation than an equivalent fall in the US dollar. For all these reasons, the bank can and must take a measured approach to the risks ahead. In doing so, it must bear in mind the importance of maintaining confidence in the effectiveness of British institutions and the competence of decision-making. Yet these very assets have taken a battering in recent months, notably in the widely shared perception that the Financial Services Authority was too lethargic before the crisis hit Northern Rock, that the bank took a bold stand on moral hazard only to be overwhelmed by events, and worst of all, that the government has seen fit to provide long-term state aid to ward off the closure of what is a relatively insignificant mortgage lender. Today, as a result, the entire liabilities of the banking system seem to be the contingent liabilities of the state. Given all this, the bank simply has to meet its targets. Yet, as Mervyn King, the Governor of the Bank of England, noted in a thoughtful speech this week, doing so has now become very difficult. 
On the one hand, we now witness both the long-awaited reassessment of risk associated with the credit squeeze and the necessary rebalancing of the UK economy towards higher savings, a smaller current account deficit, and a weaker exchange rate. Albeit desirable, these changes suggest that the economy might become far too weak in the year or two ahead. On the other hand, we see strong inflationary pressures emanating from global commodity markets, which are themselves influenced by the continued rapid growth of emerging economies. Consumer price inflation, already slightly above target and 2.1%, is expected to rise further in the months ahead. The aim is not to eliminate the import of global inflationary pressures. It is rather to ensure that they remain transitory. What must be avoided at all costs is a permanent rise in inflationary expectations and an associated need to generate a significant and costly recession to reverse them again. A medium-term inflation target provides a clear objective for policy and so the best chance of avoiding the rocks of recession and the whirlpool of inflation. It is, as Mr King says, a seaworthy vessel. That indeed it is. As important, it is the vessel the UK is now sailing in. To change ships in the midst of a storm would be a catastrophic blunder. So let the Monetary Policy Committee stick to its mandate, make measured cuts in response to the careful analysis of prospects, and leave the theatrics to others. Thank you for listening. To read Martin Wolf's columns online, please go to www.ft.com forward slash wolf.